We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 386. Today we are brought to you by Untuck It. We're also brought to you by Manscaped. And last but not least, we're brought to you by Indochino. I'm back on the podcast after a week hiatus. Scott, you're in your Savages pom-pom beanie, looking very festive for the holiday season, even though it's just barely past Halloween at this point. What's up? Yeah, it's not a Christmas beanie. It's a, it's a uh, top hat Yankees Logo a but beanie. It, it could double as a savages. It could be all of the above. It could be anything you want it to be. It's everything and more. Uh, yeah, man. Welcome back. Happy, Thank you. Uh, happy marriage. Happy marriage to you and yours. I guess <laughs> that, that was so sincere. Thank you. Thank you very much, Scott. I appreciate that. It was just weird the way it came out. I don't even know how you say that. But no, it was. Uh, congratulations. And <laughs> does it feel any different? No, not really. We were talking about that when we first um, signed on here because we had already lived together. So no major, yeah. no major life changes at this point. I can only imagine people who, um, and this I guess probably happened more like pre nineteen sixty. Yeah, pr- more so. W- <laughs> but when our parents were getting married, that people didn't live together before they got married, and it's just all of a sudden it is like, okay, here's life, kids. This go, is it. Go this get is it. it. Yeah. Better for better or worse, for real. Yeah, <laughs> in the same room or not. Yeah, this us, is happening. Us millennials like to test things out before we actually commit. 
Yeah, no, it's true. I actually think that's one of the uh, one of the one of the better changes in the world today is actually uh, testing that thing out because I think it uh, helps the longevity a little bit. You kind of understand what's happening. Yeah, yeah, but it's good to be back. It was. Um, I always get. I always have FOMO when there's news going on and things I want to be talking about, and I'm not able to for whatever reason because I have to miss an episode. And it's rare that one of us misses an episode, either travel or, in this case, uh, right after my wedding. But like we even fight through illnesses and injuries to, to always make it on the podcast. So when there's news happening and I'm not able to throw my two cents in, it always, it always pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, well, you have Twitter for that. You can you can rage on Twitter and 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 say your things there. You know, I uh, tried to lay low the whole week because, yeah. just like, you know, the Yankees were not playing in the World Series. I was casually checking in on the World Series. I'd watch the watch the games here and there, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put Leanne through that when it's not even the Yankees who are playing in the World Series. You know, so I tried to lay low on all things baseball for for the last week. I mean, it kind of makes sense. And you, you just got married. You're trying to uh, the Yankee because it could have been a problem. Game four could have been a problem. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I know it was kind of like going um, a little below the radar, even though it really wasn't. But I think for you, you were kind of playing it down, even though I think that if the Yankees were in the World Series and game four did happen on the night you got married, there would have been a lot more. There would have been tension probably on the bride's side more than anything and then you would have been like trying to overcompensate for that and like there would have just been more anxiety in the air so to a point for your specific isolated reason and just you and and leanne literally just you and leanne on that given day for the for those few hours it was a good thing that the yankees were not playing in the world series for the longevity of my marriage, probably yes. <laughs> for the for the actually for getting married, for her saying no, but yes. but you know because that is something that could have been brought up from here till the end of time. If I even True. so much as glanced at a television or an iPad or something like that during the wedding, yeah. And and we were told this before, obviously, and I'm sure everyone who's been married knows what I'm talking about. The day goes by in the blink of an eye. It's like all of a sudden you arrive, you're taking a couple pictures, boom, you're standing up there getting married, and then the night's over. And it's like the last song is happening. And I'm just like, what the hell? Where did the night just go? I feel right. like we just got here. Yeah. No, yeah, it does. It, it goes by in a blur for sure. There's too many things happening at once, and uh, time just kind of stands still. So it's... um. It was a fun wedding. I, I, you know, I went through the whole thing last. Uh, yeah, I appreciate last, last the week kind words. JJ. You guys sort of turned it into a wedding review podcast for. About <laughs> yeah, well, minutes. you know, it just it just kind of kept going in the beginning, so we just kind of went with it. And, and I know JJ was curious too. So, uh, we uh, I hope it. all the listeners out there were curious. Yeah, well, they got it either way. The, uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. I'm glad everything went well. So yeah. Well, there's still some plenty of stuff to talk about before we talk about the big news of the week. The holidays are almost here and you know what that means. Gifts. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right. Unlike most brands, Untucket shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucket shirts always fall at just the right length, no matter his size, so he will look casual and sharp. Have you ever seen an untucked button down? They look bad. They look awful. Something is not right about it. Why? It's because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt that actually was designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. 
And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. And if you're like me, you know it can be difficult to find because I have a shorter torso and longer legs. So whether I'm buying a standard large or a standard medium, something's gonna be off. With Untuck It, it comes to the perfect length, right at the belt, and it looks good untucked. They have 50 plus fit combinations. So Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. So Chapman and the Yankees agree to a third-year add-on for $18 million. This was the big shoe-to-drop, first big shoe-to-drop in the Yankees offseason. And I think depending on if they let Chapman walk to free agency, really, and moved on from him, that would have been a sh- that would have shifted what the team's plans are for, for at least building the bullpen this offseason. So this was, this was, I think, something that Cashton just wanted to like, get done with ASAP so he can move on. I mean, I kind of think Chapman wanted to get it done too. You know, when we're you're looking at the money and you see what happened last year with the free agent market and uh, you know directly related to relievers specifically, um, uh, when you're looking at uh, these guys trying to sign and get I can't think of his freaking name right now. Kimbrel, thank you. I I forget his name now because I want to one and two. He's in the National League and out of sight, out of mind. Kimbrel took it took forever for him to sign. He wasn't getting the contract he wanted. Uh, obviously, ended up going into the season with him and Keuchel with their you know with their status kind of looming. And I, I just kind of I think Aroldis Chapman has all the money he needs in the world at this point. Wants to be in a, a place that's comfortable for him. Um, obviously, was able to get you know a very solid uh, amount of money on the back end of that contract. And when you look at what three years from now for Aroldis Chapman, like it's probably going to be coming damn close to to. Um, to the end, maybe he gets one more contract, but it'll be, I think at that point, we're going to be looking at the peak Chapman definitely running dry. This reminded me of when Sabathia exercised his, or had his opt-out in the contract and was threatening to opt-out. I believe it was after the 2012 season. And the Yankees had to tack on that $25 million at the end, where when they were doing it, you knew it was not good. He's not going to be worth $25 million when he's pitching in right. whatever season that was for Sabathia. And he wasn't worth the $25 million. And it was funny because the following year, they signed him to like a 12 or $13 million deal, and he right. was worth the $13 million. He's just not worth the $25 million. And that might be something that we're going to experience with Chapman in 2022, where he's not worth an $18 million contract, but maybe he's worth a $10 million contract. But at least you don't have to go out there and find a new, a new reliever. And Chapman did, I think, prove... Despite, I mean, he won AL despite the hanging relief, slider. He won Altuve. AL relief uh, relief pitcher of the year for the you know for the American League. So the guy the guy came out there and and was literally the best reliever in the American League. So, but he proved this is a concern that I know you and I had when they signed him to this five year contract. What's he going to look like when his fastball is not 102 miles an hour anymore? Right. Yeah. But I think he proved that he can he can. <laughs> it's funny saying this. He can live at 99. And he has his slider has improved a bunch. His slider has definitely improved. That's the biggest key. He can throw it for a strike. He's confident in it, and people still have to look out for that high nineties. I still don't love this the pitch selection to Altuve, but that doesn't change the fact that over the course of the year, his slider was a much more valuable pitch for him. At so, times, he could he could throw his slider more for a strike than he could his fastball. Yeah, so I think I think that is that gives the Yankees confidence. At least he's not going to be a total worthless. Uh, 
reliever arm in three years. And I think he probably would have done better or at least matched three years, 48 million on the open market. Kimbrell got three years from the Cubs. I know it took until the middle of the season, but he got three years. So the Yankees are probably saying, okay, we would have to sign a reliever of Chapman's caliber to three years minimum. So let's just tack on this extra year. So that's the thing, like you, when you're looking at what happened here, and I think this is a good move for the Yankees because, you know, people will look at the money and they'll be like, and they just think of the Altuve home run and they'll be like, oh, man, what are they doing spending money on this? Go get a starting pitcher. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, the narrative that will just never die until they sign somebody big. Um, but this is now a, a, this is a strength of the team that continues to be a strength. It's, it's, a, it's a locked down strength now for additional time because if they were not if you were to opt out and not go, come with the Yankees the one of the I don't even think they would have to go out and find somebody big because I think they have internal options we talked about this a few weeks ago they have a guy named Britton who had a phenomenal season who has been a big time closer before they have a, a guy like Chad Green who has now shown that he can be that kind of you know eighth ninth inning guy so you know while while it wouldn't be as deep I do think they have guys that could have bridged that gap very well and they would have been okay, but they're still losing a one. One of those guys now would not be, um, you know, available early in a, in a game, obviously. So the depth stays on point. The I think the, the entire bullpen essentially stays on point. Um, minus Dylan Batantis wasn't here all year, but that's one of the guys that um, that could really, really solidify that back end. You know, as long as he's healthy and they resign him. Yeah, and they could still bring in Batantis still. This doesn't. I don't think this means. No, that no, absolutely. Because I think it's gonna. If 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 they do, it's not gonna be a huge contract anyway. So for Batantis, yeah. I mean. And I saw people complaining that oh, the Yankees need to be focusing on the starting rotation and, and not about the bullpen and let Chapman walk because we have enough bullpen arms as is. And while I agree, the rotation is a much bigger concern than the bullpen at this point. That doesn't mean you could just you just need to stop worrying about the bullpen. Like you could do both. The this Yankees the are in a position to do both. You can sign Aroldis Chapman and also sign a free agent. We're going to talk about the free agents in the starting rotation in a minute. But you could still sign Garrett Cole. The Yankees have the ability to sign Garrett Cole, even though they just gave Chapman an extension. Yeah, they do. They have the ability to sign anybody. They have the ability to do anything they want. They print money, okay? They could sign everybody if they wanted to. I don't think they want to. That's a different, that's a different argument. But they could. Yeah, I think a lot of teams could if they if they wanted to. But the thing is, is that when you're looking at this team, it's a similar to me. It's the same same type of uh, you know s- argument when we're looking at at the end of the season. Do we want to get healthy or do we want to play home for home field advantage? Well, you know, there's not one. There's one that's important, and the other one is well this and that. It's like you just gotta let them go and and do their things because in in a in a timeline, it may not be according to the way you want to see it. But they can both happen. Things can happen in, in positive ways. Just be patient. Home field advantage was so important in the World so Series. So important. Oh, my <laughs> God. Um, I also think the reliever market this winter affected things with Chapman because he was far and away the best option of the free agents' uh, relief pitchers. You have guys like Will Smith, Drew Pomerantz, Will Harris, Daniel Hudson, Dylan Batances, obviously, Joe Smith, Chris Martin, and Steve Chisnick as other relief those are like the top relief options yeah. chapman's a clear in a way best guy I mean, of that but no, not even close the like the class is different whereas last year um kimbrell was a free agent he was asking for ridiculous six years i think when he first entered the market but britain was out there 
David Robertson was out there. There's Adovino. Adovino was at like maybe there weren't they didn't have the resume that Kimbrell had. But when you're projecting what is this guy going to be over the next three years, those are all very similar productive relievers, right? Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of production. So why is the team going to pay six years for Kimbrel? We learned they're not going to. That would be asinine. But this offseason, a team that's looking for a reliever, a reliever is going to say, yeah, I'm going to pay Chapman because he's far and away the best option we have on the free agent market. But the thing, the the thing is for Chapman's side too. When you're looking at what your scenario is going to be, and and, and Kimbrel was the best reliever, arguably last year in the American League, and and you know one of the best in baseball, if not if not the best, and he got he got basically stalled out into the middle of the year, didn't get what he wanted, and then ended up taking a three year deal. You have two years guaranteed with the Yankees. Why not try to add on to that and and stay where you are in a in a situation that you know is very good that is uh, that is you know optimal for you and your family and all these things, and you're in New York like everything good you know regarding the entire situation or chance it and maybe get a situation that's like as good it it didn't make sense so when you're seeing the amount of money that's why I didn't think he was going to opt out um, because those long term contracts have basically become non-existent for these relief well, guys. Okay, people are saying he didn't opt out. He would have opted out if they didn't give him that third year. Yeah, but he didn't. That's the whole point. Okay. Because now it, because it's, they it's gave part him of the that. third year. Of course, but he still but he didn't yeah. opt out. If he had opted out that that the negotiations now are all inclusive for 3 years, not 1 year. So when you don't opt right. out, you're okay, negotiating fine. 1 year. I think That's we're splitting bit, I think we're splitting hairs on that though because he I mean it's it's a it's a big deal. For all intents and purposes, he opted out and signed a three-year contract worth $48 no, no, million. No, 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 no. And I'm going to tell you why. Because now, because he did not opt out, he still had the leverage. There was still leverage of that money. And you can go for that third year. If you opt out, now all your leverage is gone and it's in the wind. And it's based on what other teams will do and what people will pay you. Now you're competing a lot more. Whereas you don't opt out, you know what you're getting in those first two years because you've already negotiated that, you've already signed that, that's a given. Now you just have to negotiate for for one more year. And because it's a player opt-out, you're in control. So I think it's a very different scenario With the for Yankees, the player. That's why these player opt-outs have become so popular. Agents yeah. are fighting for them because Absolutely. it gives the player the power. And for especially sure. when you're coming off a, a year that Chapman had or a year that... Um, uh, Sabathia had in 2012 when when you're valuable to the team and you can opt out you have them by the balls you can you can you dictate what happens it's not it's very few instances where the player dictates what happens absolutely and and that's why I think that you know he comes off has a very very good year um, named the best reliever in the American League and now he's in a position where he can sign that you know get that extra three million bucks on uh, on the year that he probably wouldn't get it anyway and yeah. and he knows, again, I, I, I really do. When, when you have a guy getting later in his career, the situations become much more important. A guy who's made as much money as he has, has in his career, the situation becomes that much more important, uh, you know, as far as like the considerations and what you have to uh, you know, go through as far as ticking off your, your different options for, for where you're going to play. And three years is a long time, so you want to make sure that you're in a good place. And it also, they built in the Britain option opt out after 2020 knowing that Chapman was in this situation when they signed Britain last year because it was a weird contract right where it was a three-year deal but it could be worth two years and it could be worth four years mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So next year, Britain can opt out. And if he opts out, the Yankees can let him walk. Or the Yankees can say, we're going to exercise your two, year, two years of options and pay him through 2022. It's a, it's a great move for the Yankees because what they were doing is CYA, baby. They were covering their ass and making sure. And, you know, it also puts them further into and away from that injury, further into his playing days after the, uh, you know, the repaired injury to his Achilles. And I think then, you know, you're obviously able to get more of a, uh, you know, an, an idea of who he is post-injury, like a clearer idea of who he is. And I think we saw that this year. The guy just was really getting better throughout the year and, and, throughout the playoffs was just a rock really just a phenomenal phenomenal piece in that bullpen so say Britain has a duplicate year that he just had do you think he opts out he will be I'm forgetting his age I'm looking up his age right now he's 31 now so he'll be 32 next year and he could be potentially um, the Yankees could pick him up for two years at 13 and a half million a year or he could just exercise they could exercise he could say i'm gonna pick up my one year option and be paid 13 but i could see next year he opts out if he has another good year yeah i mean again that's that's kind of the beauty of this contract is it gives him an opportunity to to say hey i'm more valuable or the yankees say hey you know what we we negotiated this contract well ahead of time and now we're going to take advantage of it because um it was it was it was part of our to give you this this uh this length of a contract um, we need to have some options and we need to be able to control things. So I could see them definitely resigning him. 13 million bucks for a guy like Britain. It's essentially having two closers in the back and it's still giving you that, uh, that insurance for, uh, you know, a, a fall off. If, if Chapman were to fall off at some point, it's still giving you a big time, uh, guy that can close games. And I think the Yankees really enjoy having that. They like that. They've built this team around having that uh, you know, two two big rocks, or you know, the the back of their bullpen um, being a uh, a strong strong part of this team. So I don't think they're going to go away from that at this point. They're too far deep into it. Yeah, yeah. They're even though they're they're a bullpen team, they're not cha- they're not changing their bullpen philosophy just because their starting rotation was not good enough this year to win a World Series. I think. Well, I mean, I mean, kind of. It was good. It was good enough to get to the World Series. They just the, the bats didn't do it. My point is they're not going to change their philosophy on a bullpen, even though they could potentially be changing their philosophy on a starting rotation. I don't know if they're going to. I don't see them doing it, but they could and still keep their current bullpen philosophy. There's no reason you can't do both. There's no rule out there where's saying the, you can't do the both. There's a little girl shrugging and saying, why not both? The, the whole thing is, is now the Yankees have that solid bullpen. It's there. It's, it's, it's locked up, ready to go. Dellen Batances would be the other guy. But they still have, you know, a pile of cash, Scrooge McDuck amounts of money diving in and swimming in it. Why not go sign, uh, you know, Garrett Cole or why not both? Let's go get him and Strasburg. You know, let's just let's just handle that. Let's go back to 2009, sign the two biggest fish on the market and just go get a World Series before those fish are even out there. Maybe they go maybe they make decisions on those guys. But Didi's another player that there was a quote I saw put out that I don't know who. Who said it? But it was about um, the Yankees' intentions regarding Didi. They're not really talking about it much, but they quote like him as a person and see him as a bounce back candidate as a player. And to me, this, this just this just struck me as the Yankees want to get Didi on a prove me deal for next year. That is what they would be that what they would love. Prove it, Didi. We believe in you, but you didn't do it last year. You're coming off an injury. Let's see it. So. 
I think the Yankees, that's what the Yankees are going to be going for. I think there's two people in this category. You're looking at Patantis, unfortunately, because that guy just gets screwed every time. Unless the, uh, a team comes in and swoops in for like a three-year deal, which I could still could see happening. I could see a team gambling on Patantis. Or, uh, and then Didi as well. With uh, The Yankees are going to be try. they're going to try to be, uh, to get values on both of these guys. And if they get the value that they want, we've seen now in the past two to three years, Cashman sets numbers on people. He sets a, 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 a term on people in his mind and in his meetings before he goes and sits. And if, and if we're not at those terms and at those numbers with a, you know whatever the, the, the variation is that's okay with him, he'll walk away from it. We've seen it time and time again. Patrick and Corbin, they've set his number at $100 million over five years. Yep. And he said, I'm going to get more than that. And Cashman said, okay, see you later. That's fine. Yeah, go ahead. And then he just won a World Series. But the uh, the thing is, they, I think they will do that. But I do believe that they think that they can get both of these guys at a uh, a bargain. And I kind of agree with them. I think Patantis, again, like I said, I think somebody will give him years. So that could be, you know, especially on an option, uh, that could be something that they'll have to battle with and, and could definitely get Patantis out of town. Um, but Didi, off of that injury and the season that he had, he looked bad in a lot of times. He did not look like the same Didi Gregorius um you know, that we have seen in the past and obviously doesn't play well to his, his, uh, you know, his strength as a free agent. So I could see that happening. And I could see DD signing a, a prove me contract with the Yankees. I couldn't really see him signing a prove me contract with another team because where is he most likely to have a big offensive year? Say Yankee oh, yeah. stadium sandwiched in Yankee stadium between a bunch of really good hitters. Right. So he could say, okay, I'll take the one year prove me contract. I'm going to hit 25 home runs again. I'm going to play a full season at shortstop, and then somebody will pay me. Well, so I don't necessarily think he's going to do a one-year deal. I think there's going to have to be some kind of options on the back end. I don't, I don't even think it would be a one-year. I think he would be, it would be very, very risky for him to sign a one-year deal, honestly, at this point. But why, uh, why would, if it's approved me, then why would he want to sign options? He's, he, doesn't have, he doesn't have control if it's te- it would be team options, I'm assuming. No, no, I, I don't think it would be team options. That's the thing. Like if, there could be incentives for, for where player options kick in as well. Or or automatic kickers for a team option if he hits certain yeah if he uh, has like milestones. certain number of plate appearances or yeah. finishes top whatever in exactly X there's a lot staff, of those there's a lot of those types of automatically triggers of uh, an option yeah exactly. maybe I know um, yeah there's a who's the oh Miguel Cabrera has options at the end of his contract like that it was like if he finishes top fifteen MVP yeah, yeah, yeah. automatically triggers like a thirty million dollar option for next year right. so the Yankees could do something like that. Where, and then Didi could maybe pay off all the writers to to get him some votes, and then you know it's a whole big thing. This, I mean, it's it'll be interesting to see how this this uh, is approached. But I do think other teams will value Didi, and and he'll be able to get more than a one year deal. So I think if the Yankees, if you're if it if your scenario played out in the sense that the Yankees offered him a one year deal, I don't think he'll be back. I actually would put a lot of eggs in that basket, and that he would not be back for a one year deal because I do believe he can get more than that somewhere else. And when you're talking about guaranteed money for these guys, knowing that um, knowing that injuries can happen, I mean, this guy had Tommy John surgery on, on his throwing arm as a shortstop. Weird freak things can happen and derail your career. So you have only certain opportunities to get guaranteed money. And when you do, what we've seen lately, and the, the trend has been these guys are taking advantage of that. Aaron Hicks, that seven-year deal is just such a key, to me is such, such a... Uh, uh, a precedent contract when you're looking at some of these guys who, if they outplay, if they played to their potential on that next year, they could get a much bigger contract. 
But what did he do? He signed a long-term guaranteed money contract because now he's got money in the bank. He can invest that money. He can take care of his family. He can do all these things. And I think that's extremely attractive to these guys. And I think Aaron Hicks, when he signed that seven-year contract, it was both parties understood like, dude, you're always injured. And Hicks is like, damn, I'm always injured. Like, I'm going to get this money while I can. Didi, other than this past year with the Tommy John, that's a that's kind of a freak, more freak injury. I know Hicks just had the same issue with his elbow, but Hicks has had injury problems a lot more than Didi has had injury problems. You want to know what's funny is that <laughs> we follow we follow uh, his brother on Instagram, Hicks's brother, Hicks's brother, yeah, and he follows us. And I saw the uh, he had there was like a story I, I was just flipping through Instagram at one point, and he was coming off the softball field and like someone was talking to him and. He's like, man, I just pulled my hamstring. And he's like, he's like talking about how he just got hurt playing softball. I'm like, son of a bitch. This is it's just, in, this, it's in the this blood. It's genetic. in the family. Yeah. This is a genetic problem. Like all the Hicks boys uh, have soft, have UI tissue. They got soft tissue injuries yeah. ready. They're just a soft tissue injury waiting to happen. Cashman's quote on Hicks' Tommy John. He said, he's getting Tommy John surgery because he needs it. I just, that's such a, that's such a classic Cashman quote. Well, be, you know, what's funny is because... He was saying that he didn't need it. Like, clear it, as The day. whole thing was weird. First I know, but he when needed you... it, then he didn't need it. Then he gets his, his outside medical opinion. <coughs> and then he's sitting down in Florida, and he, then all of a sudden he, he sends like a, 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 FOMO a tweet, a FOMO tweet. video. It's a FOMO him. tweet. He's like, watch this. Guys, only get the good angles. I'm going to, we need to get on this roster. Yeah, we didn't see him make like one throw from center field, but he didn't look terrible at that. In the ALCS? No. What I think happened is that he's like, I can swing the bat. So give me get a video of me throwing so that we can tell them I can throw. But really, I can just he swing just the bat. He just sends them the video of that 108-mile-an-hour throw from, <laughs> from like three years ago. He's like, no, this is, this is yesterday. Yeah, I just did this. No, the uh, – yeah, so the um, – it's, it's just a – it's a whole strange thing with him. But yeah, the, 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 him coming out saying he needs it is just basically – putting to sleep all the other bullshit and him, uh, of them saying that he doesn't need it well, or it's anybody else annoying. saying it. Cashman's like, you know what? He needs it. I don't know who's saying that he doesn't need it. He needed it. So we got it. It's annoying because this could have happened a month and a half ago. And then maybe we have Hicks ready for after the all-star break next year. And instead he's going to be maybe a September option for them. I still think he's close. He'll be close to the all-star break. They said 10 months, right? It's, it's before. I mean, I think it's, he's probably eight to 10 months. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be around the All-Star break. Would it shock point. you if Hicks has an injury setback? I mean, come on. No, 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 it would not. But that um, doesn't, that he could be completely healthy and have an injury setback. I was reading an article on The Athletic and it was... Golf going, is out though, right? Golf is done now. You would think so. Yeah, hopefully. That, uh, that don't, should have don't, been in the seven-year contract. Do not, do not let us find a video in the offseason of him playing golf. I swear to God. I swear to God. I read an article in The Athletic, and it was going through every team's biggest needs, and they identified center field as the Yankees' biggest need going into 2020. Do you agree with that? Um, no. Yeah, I was, I was – I get why they said it. They laid it out. Well, Hicks is going to be out for most of the year. Brett Gardner's a free agent, and they have – only two. Oh, corners. so they're not counting. They're counting Brett Gardner as a free agent, and not coming back as well. So right. So okay, they said their biggest that, need entering the off season is to address the center field position. And while I agree it's a need, they have to do something with the outfield. Whether it's sign Brett Gardner back, acquire another outfielder, do something. I would not say that's their biggest need. So the thing with me is that when you have an offense like the Yankees have currently, 
you know, they could they could legitimately go out and sign a defensive center fielder and and be okay with that. Focus on the defense, focus on the run prevention, throw him at the bottom of the lineup, and you have a guy now you have a stacked lineup with a defensive guy in the nine hole who, you know, gets gets what he gets uh on the plate until Hicks is back. Or if you know if Gardner's out there, obviously I think they will re-sign him. So I think they could go that route too. But you also have a guy like Mike Talkman. I, I was just gonna say you kind of just described Mike Talkman. He's a yeah. defensive guy. He can play a good center field. Maybe not and, to the and he had a month. Of he had a month of uh, of Mike Trout stats too offensively. He could play. He could play center field. I think for a full season as well as Brett Gardner can at this point. He's yes, I think he's a very good. Uh, I think he's. A, I don't know what he would be. You know, as far as the metrics go, on a full season in center field. But he's he's right there. He's he's damn close. I wouldn't be too worried if they if their plan going in until Hicks is back is Talkman plus whoever the other outfield options are. I mean Florial, he could make a huge advance. He's coming off of an injury, season. so you never know. Yeah, he could. He could make advancements. He he's he's definitely climbing the ranks. Uh, I how think about, we'll see next year. We'll see him in Triple Wade. A. How about your boy Tyler Wade in center field? I'm good nine, with that, man. I, you know what? I have. I have, uh, you know, in the in the last year, I've become from like an eh Tyler Wade guy to like a to like a let's go Tyler Wade. You're a Tyler Wade truther. Yeah. Now I I I just I I have seen his value to this team for a while, and I and I have said that defensively, when you see the way that this guy is flexible, how, how flexible he is defensively, that alone is enough value for me to to have a guy on the team. But when you know. He looked much better towards the end of the year offensively. He did. Too. He was putting things together. Maybe that's a progression. You know, but one isn't of the that big classic things... Tyler Wade where he shows a flash in the pan of, oh, he can hit, and then it's like, no, he really can't hit. Well, I think that one of the you know one of the things that we had been talking about for a long time about Tyler Wade is that when when he can't get the everyday reps and he's not able to be in that in there, but he's a um, you know a, a, a defensive replacement guy that's going to play two to two times a week, three times a week max. Can he actually get comfortable enough and have the consistency to have better at bats in that role? And we hadn't seen it, so maybe there's this, you know, maturation process, uh, you know, of him getting comfortable on the big stage and being able to now kind of tailor himself into that role and get more comfortable and have better at bats in a situation like that. And if he can do that, and if he can show what he did at the end of the year, I mean, the, the kid to me is a, a significant value because he can go all over the place and it really adds that flexibility for Boone. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I could get behind the Tyler Wade in center field for a little while. Support for Bronx Pinstripes and for Blue Wire comes from Manscaped, who is the number one men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Listen, we've all been there, right? We've all been trimming up below the belt. And it can be scary because you do not want to nick anything. You want to be very careful. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and you certainly do not want to be using whatever it is you use on your face if you have a beard or you're clean shaving. Whatever you're shaving your face with, why would you use that on your balls? That's just nasty. So that's why you have to get something different. That's where Manscaped comes in. They also have the Crop Preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. I used this when we went to one of our July events and it was like 105 degrees in the city. And let me tell you, I was one of the least sweaty people at the baseball game. The Crop Preserver was a big reason for that. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. 
Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with code BLUEWIRE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use code BLUEWIRE. It is one word. So another big news item was Rothschild was let go. This happened and boy, did I want to just jump on a podcast to talk about this because I think you, your episode with Lindsay was, was great. And you summed it up perfectly. Larry Rothschild's every Yankees fan's favorite scapegoat. Mm -hmm. And I think we've talked about this a thousand times that coaches and managers get too much blame and not enough credit. Like that is just understood, right? When something goes wrong, point your finger at Aaron Boone, point your finger at Larry Rothschild and yell at them. But when the team wins 103 games with all those injuries, no one's pointing at Aaron Boone being like, oh, no, well, they're, wait, well, they're waiting for the next thing. They're waiting well for the job. World Series. Well done. Nice job. And when the Yankees pitching staff does something good, even though I think there's a lot still wrong with the pitching staff, no one's saying, oh, good job, Larry Rothschild. Like, no one is crediting. I, I found it hilarious that Paxson's turnaround in the second half was like, oh, James Paxson is just like he figured it out. But Larry Rothschild is the one who screwed him up in the beginning of the year. As if Larry Rothschild probably had nothing to do with him turning it around in the second half of the year and him being their best starting pitcher from July through the end of the season. No, what are you, stupid? It was Carlos Beltran who's now with the Mets. Oh, what are we going to do without Jesus Beltran Christ. fixing tipping pitches? Um, unbelievable. How are we going to let that guy go to the Mets? Oh, unbelievable. No, yeah. I do I find mean, it li- funny, though, really quickly, that the yeah. Mets... Coach, uh, strategy for hiring a manager is like who have the Yankees considered in the past and let's just right. go with those guys yeah. I mean it's fine that's what we do we, we help them out little brother gotta get the gotta get a little boost um, so I, I really enjoyed the the conversation uh, that I had with Lindsay Adler last week about this we, we really did this like concentrated you know topic of, of the pitching and, and specifically talking about the pitching coach and what's happening next <clears throat> and she's absolutely right she wrote an article uh, a couple of days before we recorded about you know him getting uh, getting released from his contract, but also talking about and Frank Frank Marco on our site also keyed in on on some of these stats as well. Like the, you look at his overall numbers, and I know that's a little <clears throat> it's a little uh, tailored. So when you look at his whole tenure, you see the rankings of where he is in the American League. Granted, there have been other teams with with a lot of different. Uh, pitching coaches, I think. So I think those numbers might be a little skewed uh, in the sense that because they've had one guy the entire time, but they're good. They're good numbers at the end of the day. They're very good numbers. When you look at the longevity of his career uh, with uh, or tenure with the Yankees, they were good numbers. And yes, he did not get any credit in the second half. And it wasn't just James Paxton. It was the entire pitching staff. The entire starting rotation, everybody was just that much better after the trade deadline. When Brian Cashman went out there and said, we're good with the guys we have. We're not going out there. And everybody was a rage. What happened? Freaking the pitching showed up and it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna try now. We're gonna start pitching the way that you know people thought we originally could, and we're gonna we're gonna you know kind of take this into the playoffs. And for all intents and purposes, all through the second half and into the playoffs, the pitching was not a problem. The pitching lived up to what it needed to be. Granted, it was different. It looked weird because they weren't getting the you know. The starts, uh, the long starts that we all want, and and it's just not the way you want to see it, like visually. Um, but the numbers were there. There's no doubt. And yeah, Larry Rothschild got no credit for it. Yeah, the end results as far as runs allowed were there. But again, it, it, that it's a different argument whether or not were the results there and is the strategy viable, I think. 
And I don't for think, sure. I don't think Rothschild even controls the strategy. He's oh, no. not. He's not saying we're gonna go bullpenning. That's an organizational strategy from Cashman on down. And then Larry Rothschild has the pieces, and he does what he can with the pieces. I mean, well, you, you do this all the time with that with that whole Rothschild and Boone thing. And every time I see it, I, I just I, every time you say something like this, I just picture you and Neil Keefe. Uh, just yelling at each other one on one in a room. That's that's my visual. But but what I think you don't give enough credit to the the opinions of the guys that are in the dugout because I do believe that one Rothschild has been was there for ten years. He's in these decisions. He's in the room making all of these decisions with the rest of the people. There is a, a you know a committee of people talking about this, putting their knowledge forward, and then uh, a decision is being made based on all of what they say and what they conclude. Mm-hmm. And I think heavily, uh, heavily influenced, very heavily influenced, is Larry Rothschild. And another thing that Lindsay was talking about is that the, one of the things that doesn't get talked about really at all is that Rothschild wasn't just this old dinosaur guy that everybody kind of depicts him as to be because he kind of looks that way. He was definitely more of a, he was a guy that had old school tactics, but also considered all of the new school stuff and was trying to blend it as much as possible. So I I think that there's a misconception on the way that these guys influence baseball decisions. My point was though, that he is given the players on the roster and he tries to make them the best pitchers they can possibly be. Absolutely. That's all I was saying. He's not out there. He's not the guy making the ultimate decision on the strategy. Maybe he has his input. Fine. I I buy that. But it's ultimately Brian Cashman and his department that is setting the structure and setting the strategy of the of the Yankees pitching staff. Yes. So and, and that's and that's why we're seeing uh, kind of a transition yes, to more of this Because Rothschild is a, a carryover from um, Girardi. Girardi. And I think we saw so much turnover in the coaching staff. Rothschild was the only guy. Specifically him, in the pitching coaching him, staff in the organization, too. It was Rothschild that stayed... From Harkey. Girardi and Harkey that stayed from Girardi. So, why, two questions. Why did they stay? And then now why are they moving on from them? Because I think that's an interesting conversation. Yeah. No, I think... Uh, yeah, Everybody I think, else switched. So, right. so why? So, yeah. I think that... I One, I think Boone saw the advantage of keeping a guy that... Some continuity of a guy that's, you know, had some uh, manager experience. Although, not a lot with the Tampa Bay Rays. He was a... Uh, an interim manager, but also has a very comfortable, um, you know, relationship with a lot of the guys on the team. Because if you if you listen to the players talk about Larry Rothschild, they're glowing. CC, uh, you know, I talked about this with Lindsay. CC was very outspoken about the the work ethic and the way that the relationship was between uh, between Rothschild and the pitchers, and it was always positive. So I think that having that some continuity in your first year, two years, is important so that there's not a complete turnover in everything. Harkey. Another guy that you know is beloved is out in the pen with those guys. Why are we changing that? What's really the advantage of changing that? Is there? Are you really going to bring in a guy that's going to make a, that much of a difference? Who stands out there, answers the phone, calls the guys, probably is like the life of the party out there and keeps everybody loose. You know, we'll we'll look at certain things. I don't want to discredit his baseball stuff. I'm sure there's a lot of that too. But there's also a He's very tracking B whips. Yeah, B whips. There's a big continuity thing out there with the with the bullpen because those guys are isolated. He's essentially managing the bullpen. He's the manager in their dugout, which is out in uh, in the outfield. So that's a big deal. Um, and I just think now it's just like they slowly. Last year they they changed the the pitching, uh, you know, the 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 personnel in the pitching department, 
And now it's just the next step. I think that's part of what driveline is doing. Yeah, I think when you are restructuring an organization, whether it's a baseball team, whether it's a tech company, whether it's a friggin' restaurant, yeah, blowing everything out in like one off season is really risky. Yeah, and Rothschild was competent, right? He was a good pitching coach. Was that's the best not giving him. Yeah, competent is not not giving the credit he deserves. He was a good pitching coach. Yes, he might not be the best, but he certainly isn't bad at his job. So Cashman is saying, okay, we want to change things. We have a five-year plan, and if we blow everything out right now, that could blow up in our faces, and it could be catastrophic. So let's slowly go through some turnover here. I think this was probably in the plan all along. Just Possibly just not spoken. Yeah. That well, and I also had a vision. They're... Cashman had a vision for yeah. where, where his coaching staff and analytics department and how everything's going to talk to one another is going to be set up, and he's he's – He's moving along the process here. He's just taking the steps that he's probably laid out. I think he's very methodical in all of this. Maybe. I, 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 I still think you have a different vision of, of what But we, we know he doesn't... It's all speculation, but... We know he, he's like a, an assassin. He doesn't, he doesn't let recency bias change his opinions. Because if he did, Joe Girardi would still be the manager. Joe Girardi got them to with, with, within a couple innings of the World Series. And that didn't change his mind of, oh, now I got to keep Joe Girardi. That's true. That is very true. That when is very true. Any other general manager, I think, an owner could be like, wait, you, you want to fire the manager who just got us, who just overachieved with this young group of players? You want to fire this guy who almost made the World Series when we weren't even expected to get past Cleveland? A lot of general managers would not have been allowed to do that. Right. And I, I don't necessarily know if it's, um, if it's, if it's already just like – you know, this is what's happening, but I think more to Cashman for, for that and, and probably the pitching as well. Maybe it wasn't exactly like we're going to get rid of this guy, but in five years, this is what our plan is going to be. And does this guy fit right. that five-year plan Right at, at this yeah. point? And yeah. that's, how, that's how, I mean, that's how a good front office operates, I think. The reactionary front offices get in trouble, and then you have what the Red Sox are doing, which is a new team president every three years. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, they won a World Series, so it's hard to argue against the, you know, the latter. But like, when you're... They, they, their front office and like management staff has been so dysfunctional, even though they've won two World Series this decade. It's it. I don't know how it's happened when you yeah. look at the dysfunction up there. Yeah. No. It's 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 interesting to see how that that worked out. It's also when you look around the league and it's annoying. You know, there's continuity with some of the like the Nationals had some continuity and they stuck with a plan for a long time. And I, I mean, I think the Bryce Harper thing was definitely a, in the plans. Like, we're not signing him again. It's just the way that the contract. Well, they did offer him three hundred million dollars. Yeah, there were there, but that contract was not what it. There were deferrals like on the front. and stuff. There was like a that. lot of difference. Know, yeah, but the money wasn't exactly the way it looked on paper. But or, to, it's to still a lot of money. It's not like they offered him nothing. It looked better in a tweet, I think, than it did on the contract. Okay, but hey, the, the Yankees have done that before. Oh, for sure, the um, Robinson Cano thing. That but we offered him more annually than the Seattle Mariners did. That was a big statement from Cashman and Steinbrenner back when he signed in Seattle. Yeah, and until it, they went and signed Ellsbury and screwed that pooch. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Just completely screwed that one completely up. <laughs> so I think with um, – what were we just – oh, the uh, moving on from Rothschild. Yeah, I think the, the overall philosophy and where, where the, the Cashman and the nerds – Maybe we I mean, look make, at the guys they're interviewing. They're, of that, but they're interviewing all of these uh, college pitching coaches, all these guys that are deep into 
the new technology. And so here's here's one thing I didn't get a, like a full chance to talk with Lindsay about that I think is an interesting conversation. When you're talking about analytics and new age baseball, right? Like to me that there's there's two ways to look at that. And I know that they blend together, but there's also two two very distinct differences with some of the new age guys. Some of the new age guys are all about the analytics and looking at um, situations and the numbers and and kind of what we've seen play out this year where we won't go through uh, a third time through the the lineup or, you know, X player won't, it's when he hits a certain amount of pitches, won't see uh, a right-handed batter or a left-handed batter, whatever it is. There's a lot of very numbers-based things. So you have those guys, but then you also have some of the guys that I think are more to what the Yankees are looking for right now are more of these guys that are on top of the technology of the new age. Not just the numbers and the analytics, but the technology that kind of gets to those numbers. You know what I mean? Like, So now we're looking at all of the, um, uh, all, all of the, the different you know, types of software that's out there. And uh, Joe Randoza put a, a good uh, article up on Bronx Pinterest. Go check that out. Uh, talking about you know, the, the different selections that the Yankees are, are, are choosing to interview. And... While they may be deep in in analytics, I don't necessarily think they're just, uh, you know, I don't know where those guys are as far as their strategy in game, but I do know where their philosophy is in um, uh, manipulating a pitch and how how they can you know select a pitch, how they can uh, better a pitch. We were talking about I think it's uh, maximizing spin, spin rate spin efficiency, spin efficiency. I think yeah. the technology also helps maximize the strengths and minimize the weaknesses of pitchers. And yes. I think that's what the Astros have done, why we've seen Verlander turn and Cole turn into two of the best pitchers on the planet is because they maximize their already filthy, ridiculous talent that they had. Yes, I think they have. Absolutely. Verlander, I still argue, would argue that was never really, def- there was never really a slip in him. But I think it was the change of change. Uh, so they talked about it for him. in one of the World Series broadcasts, I think. The biggest change of Verlander when he went from Detroit to Houston is his slider usage. He he threw way more sliders than he ever did before with the Astros. So basically, he went from a fastball curveball pitcher to a fastball slider curveball pitcher with Houston. Yeah, that's a huge deal. I mean, you add that that third pitch and you bring in a a high percentage of it. That's a big deal. Um, and I think that there was probably some complacency when you're in Detroit and and sticking on a seventy-three win team. Yeah. Yeah, sticking with what's happened for a long. So that change of scenery and getting into some like new eyes was definitely helpful. Like the talent, the arm strength was still there, the arm talent was still there, all that was still there. It was just Well, he also was battling injuries and I think once he got healthy, yeah. Yeah, there was no diminished no nothing diminished. And that brings us to Cole and he I put out a poll on at Yankees podcast and I said Garrett Cole will earn 30 to 35 million dollars annually. How many years are you willing to sign him for? We had over 4,000 people vote. 45% said 6, 32, 32% said 7, 16% said 8, and then there was a bunch of other replies. Uh, 7% said other. Some people said, I'm not giving them more than 5. And I think if – I don't even think Boris and, and Cole sit down at the table with Brian Cashman if he's only offering Garrett Cole five years. Um, I think they're going to sit down with Brian Cashman no matter what. And find out if what Brian Cashman says we're not budging over five years, they immediately stand up and walk out. Uh, unless the AAV is insane, because that could happen. It would have to be like $45 million annually. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's so many different ways what to are structure the comps? a contract because now. What are the comps to Garrett Cole? I'm thinking about he's going to be 30 next year. 
So he's 29 right now. He just turned 29 in September. So he's going to pitch a full year at 29 pretty much and then turn 30 next September. So comps that I found are David Price at age 30 signed seven years, $217 million. Max Scherzer at age 30 with deferral money signed seven years and $210 million. I think those are the first two contracts that Boris is using as comps to Garrett Cole. Seven years, $200 plus million. Okay, so that, yep, I think those are those are two good ones. Um, I also, you got to, because the, the landscape of baseball has changed, I think, a little bit as well. Yeah, these you, were a couple years ago. You got to so. look at what Corbin got last year and 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 use that because um, this Cole. is a guy who came off, well, yeah, but he, this is a guy who came off one very, very good year um, from the Arizona Diamondbacks and changed his, his career path, essentially, with the way that those stats looked. And then also pitched well this year too. I mean, he I think he led the NL in strikeouts. So you're looking at a guy that that kind of fits that mold in what could be that second year after uh, a resurgence year, right? Well, Cole's you, had two resurgent years with the Astros, res- and his career with Pittsburgh was far better than anything Corbin had ever done prior to the year his last year with Arizona. That's fine, but he was also the number one guy out there on the on the on the market last year, and it's it's there. The precedent is there. That guy signed a contract. Uh, and I think so you want to split, you want to split the difference and say, because he signed five and one forty. Cole's yeah. signing for a lot more than five and one forty. You agree with that? I agree with that. I don't think it's going to be a lot more though. I think we might be, uh, especially now with Scherzer on there, there's going to be some competition, but so yeah, uh, I think you could get some, Scherzer. I said, uh, Strasburg, Strasburg. He, he's older though than Cole. Yeah. I think Cole's still the he's, top. Is, is Strasburg 31, 30, two years, maybe a year and a half, 30, two years. I believe 32. Something like that, yeah. He's got also a lot more injury. Way more injury history. Injury history. Strasburg, as filthy as he can be, and he was the World Series MVP, he scares the crap out of me signing yeah. him to a long term. I'm still surprised he's still pitching, honestly, because he, when he came up, I, I really thought that um, Mark Pryor was happening again. And it, it looked like I mean, that for a very long time. kind of did. He's 31 years old. Yeah. He, was, he turned 31 this past July. So he'll be 32 in the middle of next year, whereas Garrett Cole will be 30 in September of next year. Okay. That's a big difference. Yeah. About two, yeah, two years. Two years, solid difference. Um, so I, I think there is some, some different things you could fudge with this contract where if you're the Yankees and you're saying, hey, uh, Cole, we're going to give you a player opt-out after two years, and we're going to give you like $70 million in the first two years, right? And then we're going to taper it off at the end. So Cole could say, I could make $70 million in the next two years, pitch two great years, and then opt out and sign maybe another long-term contract. Or if I have some injury problems, or if I have just a down year, then I still have some back years locked in. I could yeah. see something like that, and I, I think I'd be all for that. Depending on who, what the competition is for uh, on the contract and how much guaranteed money is there for other people. the um, I think it's a... I, again, that's why I think that you have to sit down with every single GM if you're Scott Boris. The landscape has completely changed, especially with these player options. Now you're putting the control back in the driver's seat of the uh, of the actual player. One thing that's, that I think could be interesting for these specific two guys, because they're the two biggest names, two huge names coming in, probably the two biggest names coming into free agency in a long time, especially the way that the season ended. Well, I mean, we just well the way that the season Bryce ended, Harper these, and Manny Machado. As no, I mean agents. on the pitch on the pitching side. Okay, yes. When, and and especially the way that the season played out, having these two guys basically duel in the World Series, yeah. go to a Game Seven, like they were the stars of the of the series. And if you know, if AJ Hinch actually went to uh, Cole in that Game Seven, could have been MVP on Cole's side. 
Just saying, if the Astros win and Cole pitches in Game Seven, he's the MVP. Of yeah. The, so you're looking yeah. at two two of the the number one choices for MVP given which team wins. Anyway, my point is, it, what'll be interesting, I think, in this offseason to look at is Strasburg, his injury history, and the term of the contract that he's going to get. Because I actually think that could be a direct effect now to what Cole could get. Even though they're apples to oranges as far as injury history, they're still two of the best pitchers on there, two both big free agents, two both coming off similar seasons in the sense that they ended in the top. But now one guy definitely has more risk than the other guy. So how are they going to play against each other? Yeah, and when you look at the last 10 years of Brian Cashman signing big free agents, 2009, obviously, Teixeira, Sabathia, and Burnett. And since then, no pitchers have signed for massive contracts. He signed big contracts. He signed McCann, Beltran, and Ellsbury in 2013. Do you want to consider Tanaka a, a massive contract? I, I kind of, even though it was... You have to throw it in there because it's still a contract that's but given out. It's, it, it's, it's on the side because he was an international signing and he was 25 years old when they did it. Right. So, yes... It's a different scenario in that sense. Yes and no. Andrew Miller is a bullpen. Chapman, bullpen. Ottavino Britton, bullpen. He spends money on pitchers in the bullpen. He has not spent big money for MLB free agents starting pitchers since 2009. Well, so, and, uh, the, I say, why is his philosophy going to automatically change when it's been a certain way for 10 straight years? Well, I mean, it, it, it certainly depends on opportunities as well and, and who's there and, and what the the value is and what the value play is for each individual player. I mean, yeah. Brian Cashman is not stupid in the sense that he's going to stay to it. He's not stubborn to the point where I think he has a plan not depending stubborn's on not the, stubborn's not, not the right word. I think no, just no, no. A, a fundamental belief of how he thinks a baseball team should be built. That's fine, but stubborn to a point where you can't consider and deviate based on talent available. I would hope not. Yeah, and I think that's that's something that he can and will do. Although he will be stubborn to the point of a number and to yes. where as far as where he will go, it could change with the way that these. So you're saying that you know seven years, six years. I don't know. The fact that Corbin signed for five years, I think is 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 telling. I think that there's more money up They're front. They're the same age, and Garrett Cole is is a much higher prize free agent than than Corbin was last year. Yeah, because of the way it played out. Yes, I agree. He's a better because pitcher. Because he's but been one of the best pitchers in the American League for two. Corbin straight led years. the National League in strikeouts this year. He did not disappoint on that contract. I'm at not all. saying he did, but they're in different classes. Fine, you, but you have but to admit that. I do admit that. I agree with you in that. I, I see one is far superior as the, the other guy. Um, maybe far superior is, you know, when you look at the numbers, probably isn't actually as uh, as correct. But when you look at the two guys that are available now because of that history and the contract from last year with Corbin, there's going to be a lot of that that's played into it from the team side. Well, then that should scare you as a Yankees fan because Brian Cashman said 105 years as our offer to Patrick Corbin. Take it or leave it. Fine, but also hundred million it, over five years was the was the offer yeah. to, and he got um, five years, um, hundred and forty. Maybe the Yankees see Cole as a much better situation for them. I would hope so, <laughs> and and we'll go over. You know, I'm not saying that that's the money. It's going to be higher than that, but yeah, he could have a whatever his cap is, whatever his number is in his head. How um, many years would you sign him to? I mean, I like I like those player options. I think the player options are strong for everybody. I really do. And I think if you front load the money and you make it super high, I mean, shit, uh, you could front load eighty million of that. I mean, f it. That's I love those contracts. 
forty I million would, each of the first two years. Hope he opts out after two. You get you pay through your. It's what the Red Sox did with JD Martinez two straight did years. Too. It's what they did with JD Martinez as as far as they they front loaded that living hell out of that contract. I honestly think those are the smartest contracts. And for a player on a player side, when you see that much money coming at you in that short amount of time, I gotta believe it's very difficult to pass up because. Not only, not only are you in the driver's seat with the amount of money, if you play that contract to the ability, uh, uh, to your ability, and you uh, look good in those first couple of years, now you're back in the driver's seat to do it all over again. Yep. If you don't, if you don't live up to it, you are taken care of. Yep. I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Cole could say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna earn 75, 80 million dollars in the next two years. I'm gonna crush it. And then be a free agent at 31 and sign another five or six year deal. And you know what? If my arm falls off, okay, because I'm still getting paid significantly amount, right. a significant amount of money on the back end. Yeah, 20 million a year or something. It's a, I mean, it's a huge security blanket for the t- for the player and kind of for the team. Indochino was founded on the belief that you do not have to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Everybody knows it looks so much better when a suit is tailor-made for the individual person. It makes a big difference. It exudes confidence on the on the guy, and you can get all the little details the way you want them, down to your monogram, some special linings, different things the way you want them, the texture, the quality, all phenomenal with Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and even more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. They have hundreds of suit options for all occasions, including work, formal events, and even your own wedding. Best part is they're very, very affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400. The process is simple. You choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or do it all online yourself at Indochino.com. The Black Friday event is on now. Until December 1st, get custom suits for just $289, plus their best prices of the year on overcoats, shirts, and more. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Bronx at checkout, plus the shipping is absolutely free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Bronx, for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more, an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. All right, any World Series thoughts? The Nats, were you rooting for the Nats or the Astros, or did you not really give a shit? Oh, no, I was definitely rooting for the Nats. There's no doubt about that. Well, I, I know really your have... mother-in-law is a Nats My mother-in-law fan, is so a she big was thrilled. Fan. She's excited. She's extremely excited. She was, she was down and out. I mean, there... <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but there were many times in the playoffs they were down and out. No, no, in the beginning of the season, I mean, because they were terrible in the beginning of the season. They had a really, really bad run. The bullpen was in shambles. She was just coming over because she uh, she watches Kemp during during the week uh, on a few days, and uh, she was just like, "So, what are the Yankees doing? You guys, you guys need uh, you need you need another fan in your base?" I'm like, "Hey, (laughs) come on over. Let's go. You know, you're." You, send, you can do whatever you want Stras- at this point in your life. Send Strasburg or Scherzer over while, while she's coming over. Yeah, but um, no, I, I mean, I was rooting for them too because I, you know, there's, it's it's just a, like, I like Zimmerman. He's uh, he's kind of like friends of some of my, uh, friends of mine. So I've actually had some like social interactions with him. He's a like super laid back dude. I was happy for him. 
Um, he's meant a lot to that organization, and uh, he's he's just been, you know, he's been the guy that's been there. For, their first draft pick is still there. It's kind of crazy. You know what I equated him to is when Alex Gordon won the World Series with the Royals. Yeah, where he's not really like the main player anymore. Right, but he, still, ton of Zimmerman jerseys running around. Um, oh yeah, Nationals Park and stuff. So. Absolutely, yeah, it's a good comparison. That's the, he's just like a, a team guy, and and I think it's a little different in this sense because it was the first draft pick of the Nationals when they mm-hmm. were the Nationals, and you know moving from the Expos, yep. there's a significance in in that in that draft pick. So I was happy for him, man. Juan Soto's a cocky little bitch. I like is, it though. He's because, fun to watch yeah. because when when you're comparing, so he did the bat carry after Bregman did the bat carry, yeah. and I loved it. I thought it was great. Because yeah, I was rooting I, for the Nationals, so well, right, exactly. I'm, it's I'm all sure about who you. It's all about who you want. As soon as Juan Soto hits a 480 foot bomb off the Yankees, which he did last year, but I'll uh, no longer be a Juan Soto fan. But for for the last couple of weeks, I've been a Juan Soto guy. Especially when you're looking at Bregman, who's a cocky, cocky dude as well, and he's just kind of like matching. You know, what? It. I don't even really hate Bregman. I know I should. I like to hate him, but I kind of respect the cockiness. Yeah, I'm fine with the cockiness. I think the cockiness plays. It sh- they should be cocky. They should be they should be as confident as you possibly can be. They are major league baseball players and at the highest level and playing in like the greatest. The the Soto thing. The it's not uh, he the, doesn't the respect carry. the game. Yeah, Shut it's up. all a bunch of bullshit. The the lean forward gets me every time. Yeah, dude. he's so animated in the box. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's straight up like I'm gonna fight you. <laughs> it's it's like it's like a Mortal Kombat move yeah. when when he takes a pitch. Just it's unbelievable. That deep squat, stretching those yeah. out, and he leaned. It's like a full like lean towards the pitcher. Yeah. Like I'm coming at you. So as a pitcher, when you see that, like that is there. That is definitely there on every pitch, and you know it's in their head. How can it not be? Uh, I've never I haven't seen anything like that as intentional, like towards the pitcher, as uh, as I've seen with Soto. So. I think it's entertaining. You mentioned Hinch not using Cole. I don't know how he doesn't use Garrett Cole. That's that's a borderline fireable offense, in my opinion. I mean, you can't say fireable offense. Is that is that as egregious as Showalter not using Britain? Yes. I don't think it's as egregious because Cole was on short rest, different type of scenario. The Showalter thing was mind-boggling. You got to get Garrett Cole at the very least in that game when it's only a one-run game in the eighth inning. Yeah. I mean... He's out there warming up. He's in your bullpen. There is literally no tomorrow. Right. I and he's not he even going to be game. on the team because he had that Boris Corp hat ready to go. So he is out of Houston. You could so, have him throw so the a Boris, million pitches, and so the, it is not your problem. The Boris hat was going on as soon as he didn't get in the game, right? He's like, yes, F these guys, what are we doing here? Yes. I'm the best pitcher on the team, bar none, your best option. And you went with Will freaking Harris. Who, uh, fine, you got you used Will Harris to try to get out of an inning. Okay, who's been used a lot? We would have killed him for that if he but, was a, if he was a Yankee manager because Will Harris you, was used a you lot. You then bring in who'd they bring in? Urquidy after yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah. Idiot, <laughs> idiot. He shoved the bass down our throats. But idiot, yeah. AJ Hinch, you are yeah, an idiot. It's a, it's a big overthink. That's what it is. It's an overthink. And you know what it might be? It if I were Garrett the, Cole, I would have just kicked that bullpen door open. And let me in. tell you what it might be, actually. They're, they're looking at the freaking numbers. And the numbers are saying X, X player on short rest. There's no number has that the, says has the velocity and the best option. Has the uh, spin rate efficiency, and it's diminished by 13.5%. And because of that, Iriquiti came out, and his velocity and spin rate efficiency is not diminished one bit. Let's go with him. The numbers say it. Nerds say it. Let's go. Did you have a Not problem? even looking at what's happening on baseball with your eyes. Did you have a problem with Cole wearing the Boris hat afterwards? 
I don't give a shit. <laughs> but now, that situation, I, saw, I saw Yankee fans like, oh, this is not a guy we want on our team. This is not a team oh, player. Please. He can't even represent the Houston Astros for another five minutes. No, I don't know that, why I'm doing this voice. What that is the dumbest thing. How many guys don't wear hats in post game interviews? Most I of also them? I, I beg people don't get upset when a professional athlete takes the most money. Like it's their livelihood. It is their job. They are trying right. to get the most money. Yes. We love most, the story. Most guaranteed money too. We love the story when a guy says, I'm gonna take a hometown discount to play here because I like playing here. Those are few and far between. And I get it. I love that too. But you cannot get upset when a guy takes the the biggest contract offer given to him. And let's like, all be very clear. There's all these, you know, the the picture of uh, Garrett Cole holding a sign at a Yankee game and as a Yankee fan and all this bullshit. Uh, he grew up in Southern California. And guess what? Joe Madden just went to the Angels. That's a win now move. Yep. And also they have a ton of money. Yeah. So they just signed Mike Trout to four hundred million. They, exactly. they have Otani coming back. They have yes. You don't think they're going to try to go after that right now? And See, this is the problem. They shove hand money out, up. At, yeah. Angels hand out dumb contracts. Oh so yeah, they do. They will offer him something that stupid. Brian Cashman will put his feet up and laugh at. Yes, and it's a hometown deal, in the sense that it's his hometown. Yeah, <laughs> he can he can play both sides of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I just signed three hundred million dollars, but I'm coming home, baby. Yeah, so it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hurdle. Like I think everybody should get their expectations in line for Garrett Cole just signing with the Angels. And if it doesn't happen, and if he goes to the Yankees, great. But don't count on it. Just assume he's gonna sign with the Angels. It'll, also, it'll be much better for your headspace. Can we all also just also acknowledge Verlander lost the Astros the World Series? Is Verlander now zero and six in World Series appearances? I think he is. 0-7 maybe? 0-6? Starts. Starts. World, sorry. Because I, I believe, care. didn't he pitch well in one of the relief games in against the Dodgers a couple years ago? Here's what I see. 0-6. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Wins don't matter until they support until they your ma- argument. <laughs> until they are right behind me. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's pretty crazy. But <clears throat> you see that he, uh, Cole's going to get a ton. And so the, 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 there's a very real scenario that the Yankees come out 0-2 from both of these guys. And that's okay. Quote, Yankee fans, right? Well, yeah. No, yeah. Well, there's a scenario that the Yankees don't get either one of these guys. When there's two of them, they're like, we got to get one of them. If Strasburg oh, gets... Oh, you're talking about Strasburg. I yeah. think you're talking about Corbin last year. The, I thought you were saying Yan- the, the Yankee No, this fans. year. This year with the two free agents. First of all, I kind of think Strasburg is going to re-sign with the Nats. I do think that's going to happen. I think they will give him the money that he wants. Although... I think that, He's also at a point where he's going to be. I mean, that that guy's getting a statue outside the field. But they Whether, also have Rendon to worry about. Rendon, but yes, I, I. But their pitching was. They got to lock down that pitching again. I, I still think he's going to sign there. If he doesn't, then then that's one thing. I thought Bryce Harper was going to sign there too, but uh, I was wrong. The um, and then so I think the Yankees are behind the ball on that one, uh, with with that and the money. It's a risky contract still. Like don't. Don't just look at what just happened. Like there are, there's a lot of risk with him and that arm, and and then Garrett Cole um, with with the uh, the with Anaheim or the LA Angels, whatever the hell they are now, that's a big that's a big thing to overcome because they're gonna they're gonna give him a ton of money. So yeah, I could easily see them going over to him both of those guys. You know, remember what happened last year when the Yankees went over on the on the big free agents people thought they were gonna get so. Well, guess what? If be Luis prepared, Severino was be prepared a, for freakouts, if Luis Severino was healthy this year. We would not be having these same conversations because we would have Severino as if he was the, the ace of the staff that we all 
you know, that he was before an injury, then, you know, I think a lot of people are much, much, much better with the pitching staff and what Brian Cashman has assembled if Severino is healthy. And Domingo Herman doesn't do some stupid shit off the field. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that's fair either. I think, I think because you have to plan for injuries. That's part of building a team. Injuries happen. It's, you can't just say, oh, well, he got injured, so we're off the hook. When you're, when you're dealing with a starting pitching staff and you have X amount of spots and you can't just stash a stud guy in case someone gets hurt, it's, it's not something that you can totally plan for. You got to plan for it with your depth. You got to plan for it in other ways. You can't just go out okay, there. Okay, yeah, you got to plan for it with their depth. They have depth in the bullpen. They have depth in the position player part of the team. They did not have starting pitching depth. It's hard to have starting pitching depth. That's, that's my, that's my you, point. It's hard, but you're the New York freaking Yankees. You should do it. You should be able to do it. I know it's unrealistic to have five starting pitchers pitch 30 games a year. Like, that never happens. And when it does happen, it's few and far between. But that team usually wins the World Series because that's pretty much what happened with the Red Sox last year where they had their four starting pitchers go through the season, very few injuries, and then, boom, they were healthy for the playoffs. But that is the exception, not the rule. And one of them went into the pen and dominated. It's the exception, not the rule, though. I I agree. So you have to plan for injuries. It's just part of building your team. And somebody else will get injured in the Yankees rotation next year. It's the funny thing, the funny, the funny thing with that argument, though, is that you, you say that, that was, it was an exception because they had four guys. Look what happened with the Red Sox this year when they, they still had all of those guys. They were, they were still deep in the deep quote in the, in the rotation. And then you have one or two injuries and it completely derails everything. But they still had depth. Didn't they work. didn't have depth after those four starting pitchers. <laughs> you know, how many, where do you want this depth to live? How many, how many, you want five stud starting pitchers on a staff? No, like I just said just five studs is unrealistic, but you have to have more than three, which is what the Yankees had. But my point is like the Yankees, the Red Sox had, had four guys that pitched like that uh, and they had the depth and then one or two get injured and then it all crumbles. Yeah. It'll still all crumble if you have four. You're going you're gonna to have injuries, so I, yeah. I, I don't think saying, oh, we're getting Severino. The plan should not be we're getting Severino back and Jordan Montgomery is going to pitch a full season. That should not be the plan entering next year. They should add one more guy, for sure. I don't know yes. how you can add anything more than one, though. It's hard. It'll be hard unless you make trades. One's a big help. One's right. a big help. That's going to do it for us. We're going to be continuing. Uh, there'll be some more one-off episodes like Scott and Lindsay did a couple days ago. If you have not listened to that, go check that out. Still going to be an episode that comes out every Monday, and then we'll add where needed if something crazy happens. A signing, those one-off conversations, like you said, are, are always fun to do. Any final words? Uh, no, yeah, that's it. We're just we're gonna we're gonna be putting out exactly like you said. I think that we're gonna do some different things this uh, this off season. I'm excited for it. A lot. Of we got to do our GM plans too. You want to do that soon? Yeah, let's. Um, I need. Yeah, let's do that soon. Probably uh, maybe after Thanksgiving. What about around? Uh, the problem with that is though that when are the winter meetings? The, second week i think we need to do it in the next couple weeks because if guys start to sign then that's going to change okay yeah so all right so let's uh let's call it let's give ourselves a week to do it yeah all right so so next week (laughs) good good talk we'll talk we'll talk to you guys next week hey guys thanks for listening to the bronx pinstripe show Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, 
we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.